Hello, friends. This is Ryan Stewart, associate producer at Chat with Leaders Media. I wanted to wish you all season's greetings as you are in your time of vision casting and planning for the new year as we are. We wanted to ensure a steady drip of wisdom hitting your feed to encourage and inspire your leadership. We care deeply about supporting your leadership development through the wisdom of our guests and helping purpose-driven leaders like you continue to be a force for good in the world. Today, we are revisiting one of our episodes from the Leadership Vault. Over to you, Jeff. Hey, this is Jeff Bond, and welcome to the Chat with Leaders podcast. Chat with Leaders is a platform for leaders to share the inspiring things they're doing to lead themselves, their teams, and the communities they serve wisely. This episode kicks off a series where I chat with leaders who are having a profound social impact through technology innovation and service in their community. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Brian Ben, the Chief Information Officer and Senior Vice President of Atlanta Housing Authority. Brian is responsible for the development and implementation of technology strategies that support 25,000 households and 55,000 participants served. Brian has a wealth of IT leadership experience in both the private and public sectors, including the Department of Defense and NASA, where he began his career. Brian generously commits his time to a number of boards, including TechBridge, Technology Association of Georgia, Atlanta Technology Professionals, Government Technology Special Districts Program, and Greater Atlanta CIO Governing Body for Avanta. He also serves as the board chair for the Technology Association of Georgia's Southeastern Software Association. Brian's a technology evangelist and a faithful servant leader with a passion for bridging the digital divide, which was the topic of today's chat. I hope you really enjoyed this episode with Brian Ben. Brian, welcome to Chat with Leaders. Thanks, Jeff. Good morning. Happy to be here. Well, it's such an honor, such a gift. So thank you for spending some time with us. As you know, we're all about packing a short chat with meaningful ideas for our listeners. So I want to get right into our main topic for today of bridging the gap. So why has bridging the digital divide and digital inclusion become even more critical as a result of the pandemic at Atlanta Housing and in the Atlanta community? Jeff, initially, we've always thought of education as one of the great equalizers. And of course, that's still true. It's still one of the great equalizers. But now in this paradigm, and then where we are in history, I guess, is technology is part of every discipline, whether it's education, whether it's your work. So technology is one of those great equalizers as well. And I think technology and education and that marriage makes them both a great equalizer. And what we realize is that as we want to provide that affordable housing experience, and we mean quality affordable housing experience, we think technology has to be a part of that. The pandemic has only highlighted that need whether we're talking about children, and we try to catch them early, whether we're talking about children that are learning to read or reading to learn is right where we want to be able to jump in, or whether we're talking about some of our seniors who want to be able to have access to their relatives that they may not be able to see over the holidays, they can look at them virtually. They can um, they can play bingo. They can play Sudoku. They can um, have the telehealth visit with their providers and make sure that they have their prescriptions and are diagnosed effectively. So it's incumbent upon all of us that are in a position to provide and services 
to make sure that we're providing them an equal footing for those that aren't that are kind of digitally challenged, if you will. I love that. And a lot of people that I've spoken to amidst the pandemic have kind of lamented that they miss the in-person interaction. And while I think we all do, it is an incredible blessing to have technology in our hands to remain connected because, you know, another guest on my show said, while we are physically distant, which should have been the operative term amidst the pandemic, we have this opportunity right. to remain socially and spiritually connected with our families, right. our loved ones, and have opportunities for schools. So it's uh, amazing that you're bringing that to light, which kind of segues into my next question about your access initiative. Can you share more about kind of the impetus of it, how it all got started, what your leadership role is with it? And again, it stands for Achieving Connectivity to Create Equity and Self-Sufficiency. What's your vision for its ongoing impact as well? Well, the first thing we noticed, Jeff, is that there's several, in terms of uh, bridging this digital divide and becoming digitally inclusive, we realize that there are several barriers to entry. And sometimes it may be as simple as fear. Sometimes it may be lack of devices, lack of connectivity, lack of training, and it just may be lack of awareness. So there's just several things, and we decided, hey, how can we actively and thoughtfully kind of reduce those barriers for entry into this digital world and provide that inclusion and provide that bridge, if you will? So we thought of a three-pronged approach. We thought that is the uh, the best way to address this. And the first thing we decided is like, hey, we need tablets and laptops. Again, whether that's our senior population, whether that's that 18 to 35 demographic, or whether those are those school-aged children, they all need that access. They all need a device. The next step, the second prong, is a device is useless if we don't have that connectivity. And these are things, Jeff, that you and I just take for granted. Our kids jump on the wireless. My kids, if the wireless is gone, they will act like the world is coming to an end if they don't have connectivity. But there's some that aren't as fortunate, and that um, these things that we take for granted aren't there for them. So we want to work with ISPs, Internet Service Providers, see if we can get those subsidized. I won't call any names right now, but we have some very good things in the works where we can get them to those big companies to partner with us and make sure we provide that connectivity. We're working with the city of Atlanta, and there's some areas that come up as more barren from a digital aspect. And then the city of Atlanta is also trying to make sure that there's connectivity and Wi-Fi. And of course, bandwidth comes into play. So we have to make sure not just that the access is there, but the bandwidth is strong enough to withstand any of the uh, people trying to use less of the network. And then the third piece of it is the training. So we have the devices. We have the connectivity, and now we have to make sure that the training is there. And again, we're dealing with some of those barriers where we're talking about some of the seniors where there's just a fear. Sometimes there's a lack of awareness. But we want that training to be as simple as helping that senior population even set up emails, even know how to navigate the web. For the younger generation, this kind of IT savvy anyway, we want to make sure that they're accessing those things on top of what their teachers are providing them at school, on top 
of the video games that they know how to access and know how to play, we want to make sure that they're going to YouTube to understand how to work some of those algebra problems, those calculus problems. We want to make sure that any extra tutelage they need, they can find those resources. They know where to look for those resources and they know how to access them. And they use them for more than playing games and social media and chatting and what have you. So we want to make sure that that is in place from the digital literacy standpoint. But here's where it gets really exciting. We have a much more robust approach. And we what we have is a cohort program where we're looking at those people that maybe want to, that population that maybe wants to make a career shift maybe wants to enter into an IT career, or somebody that, again, is saying, hey, I'm not happy where I am, and I want to try something different. That's the career shift that we talked about. So this is primarily 18 to 35, but we go way beyond that if we have somebody that's interested. And this program means that we're trying to offer certifications, whether that's CompTIA, whether that's anything on the agile paradigm, whether that's cybersecurity training, and we want these trainings to be certified so that the um, the workforce that's going to ingest these um, this on these oncoming workers know that they're getting a quality product. We also want to make sure that those wraparound services are there so that once this population gets into the workforce, they know how to be upwardly mobile. They know how to ensure that there's conflict re resolution. They can make sure that they thrive within these opportunities. And we want to also make sure that we have a 100% participation. So I'm reaching out to CIOs. I'm signing a pledge card to bring on one of these resources. And again, these resources are going to be qualified because those wraparound services are in place. There's certifications that come along with this. And these are just some small ways. And this is our three-pronged approach to access that we think we can really make a difference. And that cohort program we're talking about is actually named as well, and it's called our Academy of Digital Leadership. So we're excited about all of these initiatives and the ability to help the opportunity to help. Brian, this is just exciting. And with every adversity comes a seed of equal or greater opportunity. And here you are looking at the pandemic and the way that this has been heightened. And you're just, you're putting this all into action and you're building community and energy around this. And, and your energy itself is palpable. This episode is brought to you by Inspire EDU, a nonprofit organization putting technology devices into the hands of Atlanta's underserved communities. The need for technology devices has accelerated due to the pandemic, and Inspire EDU makes a positive difference helping marginalized learners. Through its partners and supporters like you, Inspire EDU helps learners become 21st century scholars. Learn how you can support their mission at iuatl.org. Brian, I kind of want to understand where you dig down deep and you find this, but what was your why? why? Like, when did your social responsibility bug start? And why are you the way you are in terms of wanting to serve the community? It was probably there a while back and then it just lay dormant. I mean, my parents instilled a lot of this drive in me. I was raised in a God-fearing home. And I just think it's the responsibility of each of us as children of God to be able to make a difference where we can, when we can, and to help others. And um, and everybody is our neighbor. And everybody's not necessarily going to be a doctor or a technologist, but there are ways that you can help. I think we used to refer to it when I was growing up as a sermon in shoes. So whatever it is your, your passion is or however you can 
help, there is a way that you can help. And, and then you just have to be intentional. And sometimes that just means something as simple as raising awareness, helping one person, creating that ripple effect. And if you look at the Andes and um, the top of the Andes, that's where the Amazon River starts. And it's the um, and it's the greatest river in the world with several different ecosystems. But it start it starts with one drop at the top of the Andes Mountains. So whatever we can do is value added to help somebody to change the trajectory of some life. And that's I think it's not just an opportunity, but I think it's a responsibility that we all have. And how as a CIO and SVP as an executive within your organization and the influence that that carries in your community, how does that provide opportunity to other leaders that are in similar shoes that have this platform to go out there and make a difference? I just think that the biggest thing is for for the leaders, we have to understand that we do have a platform. Sometimes we think, well, you know what? I work at this company, and this company is not really a progenitor. It does not really promote this type of behavior, this social consciousness, or it has not come down from on top yet. So I'm just kind of waiting. But there are ways in which we, and if, and if your company is not doing that now, even if you're an SVP, you can speak to it. You can speak to that social consciousness, social awareness that needs to be in place, but you can also independently go out and seek these opportunities to provide and to help. And again, if you're just tutoring one person, if you're helping one person, if you're giving away one laptop, if you're reaching out to Inspired EDU and say, hey, I've got these two laptops that I'm upgrading, or if you go to your company and saying, hey, this is how we normally dispose of our computers. But let me see if I can reach out to Richard Hicks at Inspired EDU and see if he can make some use of this. And again, this is that one drop at the top of the Andes is making some difference. And, and that's all that we have to do is realize that there's um, have that awareness that we can help and then actually help. Brian, we're still in the midst of a pandemic and, and hopefully with some light at the end of the tunnel with all the news of the vaccines coming out and everything. But teams are still challenged by just the way we're working and the way we're still getting things done. What kind of call to action would you have for leaders in general uh, in this time that we're in today for them to continue to lead their teams and their communities faithfully? I think the biggest thing now is we have to be sensitive to all the different dynamics at play. And that means that some of our some of our employees now have become second grade teachers and third grade teachers and, and, and cooks and now we're facilitating recess. And so we have to be more amenable to this change in dynamic. We have to understand that um that we have to be more results oriented and results focused as opposed to necessarily looking at the time when the work is being done. I borrowed this, but I think I got it from um I got it from one of the uh, leaders, one of these leadership things I was sitting um sitting in, and it, uh, one leader said, "Hey, this is how we've responded in this pandemic. We've decided to do your work, be available, and over communicate." And I gave that mantra out to my team, and I told them again, "I'm very flexible. If you've got to leave at two thirty in the afternoon to drop somebody off at the dentist to go to school, if you've got to take a, a, some time from eleven to." 12 o'clock to help your son with some homework, then that's fine. 
we understand. So I think the important thing is just being sensitive to these dynamics. Also making sure that, hey, if you have EAP, if you have the employee assistance around, tell them don't to don't hesitate. So communicate to them. We're missing a lot of that social interaction. We're missing the water cooler conversations, but there are ways to change up our meetings, to have an icebreaker at the beginning, to just try to get that personal touch as much as we can when we're now in this virtualized uh, setting. So we just have to be sensitive as leaders to the change in dynamic and to be flexible in that situation, in those situations. Mm. Yeah, you mentioned the word intent earlier, and I just love your intent as a leader. Your team is truly blessed to have you, Brian. If people were to want to get a hold of you and learn more about how they can support your access initiative, where would they go? The best place to get me is LinkedIn, um, Brian Ben, and you'll see Brian Ben Atlanta Housing on LinkedIn. My Twitter feed is BWBENN. One nine one one. So that's BW Ben 1911. That's my Twitter feed. I'm not as active on that. I'm trying to be more intentional, Jeff, about <laughs> some of these other uh, social media platforms. But I might definitely try to be as responsive if you reach out to me there or reach out to me on LinkedIn. I definitely try to be as responsive. And there's some other social causes I'm pushing there too. So I might rope you in if you reach out. Well, in addition to that, you can find the show notes and more about Brian on our website, chatwithleaders.com. Brian, thank you so much for sharing your gift of time, your service in the community, and sharing your wisdom with us today. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Jeff. The pleasure was all mine. God bless. Hey, this is Jeff Bond, and thank you so much for investing your time with us today. We'd be thrilled for you to subscribe, rate, review, and share this episode on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please also visit our LinkedIn page to join our leadership community by clicking follow. We're grateful for your engagement and for sharing the inspiration coming from our guests so we can add value to aspiring leaders in your network. Have a remarkable week and go be a leader worth following.